Hi there! It's SaaS and Tech Interviews by Attention, a podcast in which we're bringing entrepreneurs, founders, and like-minded people closer to you. So, hello, Mariana. Thanks uh, for joining me uh, today. So, I would like to talk with you about uh, our new generative AI project. So, could you start with giving us a brief overview of uh, of this project? Uh, what inspired you to embark on this uh, venture? Hi. So, uh, thank you so much for having me. And yes, let's. Um, actually, I was hired to. Uh, gather knowledge about generative AI and the first project is just a first step along a roadmap of uh, a few prototypes. This one particularly is a, a chatbot with a feature to transcribe meetings and then al- analyzing them uh, and, and providing a conversational interface to know more about, uh, about the, this uh, meetings. Uh, it was like, again, first step and what inspired me to uh, to join the project is, um, I think it sounds like uh, most of my career uh, in the sense that this is a project uh, with a technology that is almost there. Uh, so it was really fascinating to uh, investigate it and, and, and know a bit more and there was, a, there is a lot of buzz, a lot of uh, misinformation about it. So I thought the best way uh, to know it was to actually work on it. And it was like the perfect uh, opportunity. So that, that, that's what inspired me. It sounds like uh, what, I, what I normally do, uh, oh, provide amazing. a result. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Uh, so when it comes to um, the project itself, so um, what are the core functionalities? Uh, why you decided to choose uh, those? Uh, could you walk us through the user experience there? Yeah, so the the main features are uh, transcriptions of meetings. We use um, we used Amazon to transcribe the meetings and then on those transcriptions, uh, we go with generative AI tools and we extract a summary of the meeting, uh, keynotes, um, key points, action, uh, and the sentiment, the general sentiment of the uh, of the meeting itself. So we expose those data and then we give uh, a chat for the user to interact uh, with the, with the tool and ask questions about uh in our case for our prototype <coughs> the questions were about the whole list of, of meetings that were available um, one of the challenges was to narrow down somehow the context to one meeting only there were techniques uh, to do that but i think this is more about the challenges we we found and how and which ones we were able to overcome. Uh, so that, that these are the main uh, the main features. It's, it's something that a lot uh, of companies are trying to do at, at the moment. It's this general idea that you can chat uh, 
with your data, which is very powerful, uh, probably still immature, uh, but worth investigating, absolutely, in, in my opinion, of course. Definitely, I can't wait when we're gonna uh, have it within our processes and we can use it uh, everywhere. I believe it will make our me meetings uh, more efficient at that point. So uh, you've mentioned challenges. Uh, so, so what were those challenges you faced and how you overcome them? So the, the I think in this case, the the biggest one was transcriptions uh, because we realized uh, they still can contain easily uh, errors and they are somehow biased, meaning we had a, a project manager that suddenly start, started having a different name, like an English name, because uh, the AI responsible for the transcription wasn't understanding Polish names. Uh, this is just a small example, and if you want even a minor one, of one of the big issues we have with these objects. Uh, biases are everywhere, uh, but it's also interesting how we can use the same objects to avoid biases. So it, it's, um, again, it's, it's really fascinating to work uh, with something that in, in our job, uh, we love determinism. We, we need to know that two plus two is four, whatever it happens. And for, for the, not the first time, but for the first time uh, officially, we are working with something uh, that is returning, when you say 2 plus 2, is returning a bit more than 3 or a bit less than 5 or ask me again because I didn't get it. So it's 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 really uh, interesting. It comes with a lot of challenges uh, and with a lot of uh, frustration. Uh, but it comes also with some epiphanies that are absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Um, so the most important challenge and probably uh, limit in this case were the transcription, because if the text is bad, then there is not so much we, we can do. And that's probably uh, an interesting learning we had about, uh, about this project, but probably a topic for, for another question. But yeah, the, the most important one were, were transcription in this case. Gotcha. So so how you uh, overcome, for example, this challenge with this uh, Polish name? Uh... So we we couldn't in this case, but we learned. Uh, we uh, approached this project with the idea that prompt engineering was, was a thing. So prompt engineering is uh, the shape being of a message, the prompt, that let us get what you really want. And it's normally trial and error is artesany, really. So you, you need to understand sometimes it's a slight change of naming, sometimes you have to rephrase it, and then it starts working and then it works consistently. 
great. It turned out that it's not the only engineering you need. Context engineering is quite important too, uh, probably more crucial. Um, and essentially, if you provide the right context, that's when uh, you have um, more efficiency and the performance actually is very good. Um, so we, we just, in this case, it was important because we realized how important it was. Uh, and uh, we also realized, okay, we have ended this. So we have, for instance, privacy issues. Uh, how, yeah, that we have a problem because it's biased, but what if we don't want even to have that name? Uh, if we don't want to pass that name, that email, that you know, uh, sensitive data to uh, to something that is proprietary, because these models, they are not the one we are using, they are not open source, right? They are proprietary. So um, this is something that is uh, more related to our path, our journey. So we realized this in this prototype, the first one, and we are trying to overcome uh, this particular uh, challenge, the security one, in the second and third prototype. So what we put in place is essentially a, a first step, a first layer uh, of pre-processing, where we are going through the data and we are replacing any data that for us is uh, um, like important or we don't want to share with an ID. Um, and, and that's a step that is very simple. Uh, if you want, not even AI related, it's just normal string replacement, but it's letting us somehow uh, obfuscate this data we don't want to share. And then we are uh, post-processing at the very end the answer. So everything that we don't want to share stay with us on our database. Uh, but we can still use LLMs uh, to talk. The second pro product we are developing is a Slack bot that we are using to uh, collect confluence, shared knowledge, internal shared knowledge. Uh, and it's interesting because confluence is a very good platform, but sometimes it's not used uh in the way it could because you have to structure content so sometimes it's not easy to get it and with a, with you know with a tool like this you just have a chat and ask i don't know about maternal leave or 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 uh about um your path as a developer uh, you have a conversation so it's very different and in our first tests is working really well and it's like the evolution of the first the first product. oh that's amazing and do you think that in the second project um there will be occurring also those um privacy issues because uh, from what i know they are like um the highest concerns about those issues when it comes to generative ai projects 
Yeah, we used, uh, so we, we started from a business point of view, what uh, a client will value, right? So on one side, uh, security is really important. Uh, and the other side, I, I think, is transparency. The idea that you can somehow control and change the behavior quickly of uh, these objects, so have some options, dashboard, to understand what's happening and to monitor uh, performance and cost uh, of these objects. So we used the Slack bot as an excuse to implement those features and in terms of security, yes, uh, even more that with descriptions, we it's, it's full of sensible data that we are uh, obscuring. Um, uh, and it's also important not just that, that you pre-process them, but how you prepare the data. That's also a step that we didn't have at all in the first prototype. And, and we are going through now with, with the second and third one. The uh, second and third one are essentially two parts of the same product. On one side, uh, we sort of uh, complexified a bit the, the structure of, of the architecture of the application. Uh, we put in place actually for the first time in application. Um, and on the other side, we want to monitor it and and uh, somehow control it so the, in the first step we focused on the architecture uh, there is a different way to implement uh, generative ai that we did with the first prototype um, we used a framework that is called rank chain that in in general is providing a level of abstraction that is letting us just focus on on the features and on the tools and is providing this level of communication with the LLMs. Still good to have an idea of what's happening low level, but you can structure, a, you can engineer a solution in, in, in a nice way. So we used uh, LangChain in the first uh, step too, but we used just the, the most essential brick that they provide, which are the chains. In this case, with the second prototype, we tried to go with agents that are a slight uh, more sophisticated um, concept, <clears throat> and they are essentially components that are able to sense and interact with the environment. Uh, so our idea was in this case to have like a small team of agents specialized in one thing, uh, and they can use tools to achieve uh, tasks and they have agency to decide when when to use them so for the security the first layer of our architecture has a, a security tool that they can use to um to do a first pass on the data for instance uh, but they can also use to check if there is an attempt of prompt hacking, which is a technique, but it's still security. So um, the way the way you use normally an, an LLM is you instruct it and you tell it to act, perform, behave uh, as something. 
uh, or someone. Uh, but a user can do the same. Instead of prompting a question, a query, the user can try to hack the system, asking the LLM to act or behave uh, in a different way. So we are trying also with this first layer to detect if there is one of these uh, hacking attempts. And then when you pass this first layer, that's when you start using uh, when you start using the tool. Of course, the tool is retrieving information that contains IDs and not names. So before providing an answer, just before we post process the game and we give you back name, uh, last names, emails that you need when you're asking a question, right? Because you want to know the email for your invoices and you don't want back an ID, you want an email. So that's that's the the approach, the strategy we are using. Gotcha. And uh, you've mentioned that um... In the first uh, prototype, you used one particular framework. So I wonder why did you choose this one? Uh, and how, how did you decide to choose this particular one? In the first prototype, uh, it was because we went with, with a stack that was um, the most efficient one in one sense. We uh, approached this topic with uh, a team of backend developers that are used to Node.js um, and Langchain comes with a Python version and a Node.js version. So that was what led us to decide for Langchain. We also used uh, a vector store. Um, in the first prototype is Pinecone, uh, in the second one is Chroma. They are just different providers. But this is also a crucial component of our stack because most of uh, the intelligence actually is retrieval. So it's not the LLM, it's the vector. Um, and, and this is a tool that I maybe can quickly describe. So uh, what happens is um, we store non-structured data like, like chunks of text uh, but we store it in in a specific database which is a vector database and that's because we convert these text chunks uh, into vectors multi-dimensional like uh, thousands of dimensions uh, vectors uh, and we do that using a model an embedding model that normally is letting us then compare similarities uh, semantic similarities uh, that, that is closer to what we want them to, re to retrieve so what happens is we store all the information converting it into vectors when we make a query this is also converted in a vector and then we measure the distances of our query with the content that we have and we give you back the closest ones. So that's essentially how we retrieve information that should be relevant. In other ways, 
is relevant, but that's the general idea. So all this aspect of how we get meaningful information is actually not LLM, it's retrieval, similarity with different algorithms to, to define similarity. And this is decades of, of, uh, of a domain that is parallel and coexist with LLM, but actually uh, the, this object is not that intelligent to get into the data. It's just that we are, before passing a message, we are going there, retrieving the right amount of context, and then we are passing the context to the LLM to answer a question. That's why they retrieve, because we retrieve <laughs> the context for them. This is just to define a bit more what's happening like behind behind the scenes. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so interesting. So um, in terms of uh, technology you've mentioned and uh, team processes and team, uh, team dynamics, what do you think evolved um, the most during the project's life cycle? Uh, unfortunately for us, the domain, the domain is evolving like a lot and, and we need somehow to make peace with obsolescence if we want to deliver a solution. So on our side, I think we achieved to uh, keep the focus uh, on, on the solution uh, while also uh, we kept attention on what was happening out there, but just noting down, okay, this is very interesting. We will use it in the next prototype. Now we have to deliver. Uh, and this is something that we are keeping, like everything is evolving uh, with a daily pace. Uh, I, yesterday, I was trying to um, investigating uh, fine tuning techniques, which is something we, we can talk about or not. Uh, but the framework Langchain changed its version while I was using it and it broke my my dependencies. I'm just saying they actually update uh, not, not daily the framework, they go with a different pace, but I don't know, there are office hours or uh, meetings that they are weekly. Uh, framework like Langchain and Llama Index, which is another one uh, that we also use. Uh, every week they have a webinar about a specific topic. So now, for instance, all this retrieval uh, um, area is a hype. Uh, all the techniques you can use to retrieve uh, the, the one of them, the one we are using is RAG, um, retrieval argumented generation is you generate the context and that's how you fine tune a model. We are using for now ChatGPT 3.5 and 4. Uh, we investigated also Lama 2. They have general knowledge. Now you can tune this knowledge to your specific domain, like documentation that you want to uh, chat with or investigate. You can uh, 
like rearrange weights of the model partially to have to bake your knowledge into your version of an open source model. And that's something you can do, but it, it comes with a cost and you need to serve this model. The other way you have to uh, fine tune, one of the other ways you have to fine tune is to contextualize the question. So you retrieve context in a in a vector data store or different type of databases. We tried a couple of different ones. Uh, and then you pass this context together with your question and some instructions, and then you get an answer. Problem with that is that the window you have to ask and then get an answer uh, is limited at the moment. Uh, you have a, a certain amount of token, which is another concept that is not exactly word. It's more like, let's say that normally uh, a word contains the average three tokens, let's say. And you have an amount of tokens to use, to ask and get the the retrieval date sorry the, the the answer from from the LNM. so it's a balance of about how much you instruct them how much context you pass them and how deep you want the the answer to be um there are so so many <laughs> uh, aspects there and and it of course, it fades, so you need also to have some techniques to retry. There is a latency you have to deal with for the user. The user is just, you know, waiting in the void. If you don't tell them we are actually doing something behind the scenes. So there is also UX there. Sometimes you, you keep the latency short, you can stream uh some other times uh you just need to give some information that something is happening behind the scenes all the steps we do when we process data and then try to understand if they are hacking us or they are actually doing just a query if they are just saying hello or making a question because if they're saying hello i don't need to retrieve anything i just need to you know the normal answer how can i help you today all this is time and the user needs to know something is happening so in the in the in the second prototype we have one of our agents is dedicated to sentiment is trying to detect how urgent is that question for you and also which is in general your sentient if you are uh, upset or, or nervous and I think as is probably happening also in a, in a human dialogue if that is the case then the sentiment agent is answering first trying to say something like okay take a deep breath we are solving this together don't worry and in the meantime the retriever is getting the information so this is just an example but the sentiment agent has this um responsibility to 
get the sentiment and also track the sentiment along the conversation so we know if we were able somehow you know to to change a sentiment started as negative if we convert it to to positive uh yeah so that's that's that is so interesting so it sounds like you need to put a lot of emphasis on the testing phase because LLMs are uh, learning on everything. So I believe that the testing phase is uh, very important in such projects, right? It is. It is the, the ability to quickly iterate and, and, and test. So we are uh, implementing now uh, another framework that comes from the same team of Langchain, um, uh, which is Langsmith. And it is like a dashboard that will let us um, debug and test uh, before the delivery and then keep on tracking after the delivery uh, in a more formalized way. So, because it's very important as you have like a lot of steps, uh, especially when you go agentic because they become like a small team of, of agentic component. Uh, you want to know where the issue happened, in which point there it was a bad retrieval or the retrieval was good, but then it was interpreted uh, badly. The sentiment was not that bad, actually. Uh, the final parsing of the the response uh got an error and so we didn't present it um a service hanged on we don't know but with this tool uh we have all the steps and we can actually see all the chains all the agents go through their process so we know when something goes wrong uh where to try and, and fix it. So yeah, the, at the beginning we did with normal debugging and testing uh, tools, but uh, it's in it's in beta, but we had uh, access and this actually access uh, to, to the team, to attention in general. I, I think this is uh, like a, an important note. And we are doing R&D. I think one of our uh, meaning is we hope to go production, of course. Uh, so the idea is to maintain uh, possibly a dialogue between production and, and R&D. Production normally gets a different pace and need to deliver something stable, solid. It's completely different. Uh, the way you approach a problem and you try to solve it. But I think it's important to maintain a connection and a dialogue so that we can uh, return what we learn uh, to to production and production can tell us what to investigate because it's more important for business. On one side, we go pure research and development but on the other side we have a feedback that is letting us know okay but business wise we need to solve that particular problem so it's i think it's it's important for us not to be just uh, a scientist 
playing, but you know, uh, solving solving real uh, real problems. So this is a, a tool that we will provide to production too. That's that's my point. Essentially, at the end of this third prototype will be first week of October. Uh, we will start generating a small uh, framework of tools, components that now we already know how to build and provide so that the idea is for us to have a base when we are building the next prototype but for production would be a set of tools they can and procedures uh, they can already use when they start maybe a product So how you manage um, to like find the right balance between those different objectives? Because as you mentioned, on one hand, every day there, there are new updates about uh, frameworks and tools you are using. On the other, you have those business objectives where uh, when the project needs to finish and uh, how you manage to do the prioritization, how you manage to, you know, keep your focus, decide when you should, uh, you know, learn those updates and implement them and when, for example, not. Uh, you keep it simple and, and you try to build a simple solution that works and partially uh, make you happy makes you happy uh, so you have uh, this uh, discontent which i think is really really productive um, it's the discontent shannon is talking about uh, it's this um, uh, willing to know more to find a better solution you live with that it's not so you deliver something that works and is feasible so you can achieve it in a given amount of time that's what you deliver and that's what you focus on the rest which is your desire to do things properly that's something that you move to the second to the third to the following step that's how normally you <laughs> deliver a solution the, um, the the point is at the moment this is a domain that is pushing you to uh, put in practice and keep on studying at the same time. There is no way uh, you can just, you know, um, focus on, on the solution you are working on at the moment. You have to dedicate some time to at least keep up with this uh, knowledge that that you that you need to gather uh, outside across all the misinformation uh, that that is there like you know um, the developers are dead and all the old faces you face all these uh, youtubers blah, blah, blah. so you need to somehow clean up and, and study but in terms of solution yes you just need to focus on what is feasible so i don't like the deadline there i think this is not a deadline this is actually the 
a, 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 a line after which a project lives and, and doesn't die. But so let's say when you have a lifeline, <laughs> a lifeline, uh, you stick to it. That's that's your focus. Uh, I want to do this. Okay, can we achieve it by this date? No. Put it back in the backlog, and then that's that's how you you deliver stuff. Oh, I really like this approach. Yeah, it shouldn't <laughs> never be deadline. Yes. <laughs> It should always be the live one. So, um, so summarizing this project, uh, if you could like um, tell us a bit more about those learnings. So, what would be like the biggest um, takeaway for for you right now from this project? I think the the most important one is uh, that there is a lot of work you need to do, a lot of engineering you need to do. That is around the LLMs is how you prepare the data, how you retrieve and prepare the context, how you parse the output, all this work, security stuff, all this work is actually around the LLM is before and after you use them. So I, I approach this thinking I need to know how to use them, which is true. You need to know because the other uh, most interesting learning is answers in general seem to be there. The problem is how you ask. So how you talk to these objects. It seems that if you talk the right way, the answers are there. So it's these two things. There, you need uh, even more to engineer a solution because of their of their not deterministic nature, even more, and you need to understand them and and try to see how they see. It's like when you use a, like a a physical camera the the way you start owning it and generally is when you know how the camera is seeing something that your eyes are seeing clearly different uh differently so that's that's uh, the the understanding of these fascinating objects uh and and everything you need to do around them and and for me of course it's also there there is an ethical aspect about the use of them that i keep very present in uh in my choices my personal choices and and if when when it's something we need to discuss with the team with the team with the company uh because there are ethical aspects that i think uh you need to have in mind. It's important that, that you develop something to enhance uh, a team uh, instead of having in mind to replace a worker, for instance, which to me is not just stupid, it's dangerous. Of course you can't, but 
you can speed up part of the work uh, you can give that same person the ability to develop new skills uh, have more time uh, so it very depends you know it's it's subtle but it's extremely important why you are doing this and that's why i jumped into this because i know why i want to and i want to be i, I want to do my my part try to you know small uh small agency but in my i think the agency you have is the one that uh, changes the, the world also somehow so the, the small acts you you take daily in a chat like this with your colleagues is those are the things that are uh, shaping the reality uh, around you and and this is a topic we i think we need to to have in mind to discuss it's they are very fascinating but you know you want to know uh which tools are using uh and 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 why which is your goal i think this is also an, an important aspect yes definitely um you've raised a, a very important concern um from the market as well because uh, when we um, gathered a lot of data about how to advance our AI models right now, a lot of people actually started uh, to be concerned about their future roles, about their future future job uh, possibilities. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an aspect that is is there, uh, but you can see it as an opportunity. Um, because maybe this is telling you something about uh, about the jobs we have to offer, uh, and and so it, again, it's like the angle you you take with that. Um, but but I think it's also true that th this is a tool that I think is at least partially part of it or the evolution of it is here to stay uh, and in my domain one of the things that i love about it is i didn't stop learning one day and i'm doing this i have been doing this for a very long time which also means i'm old but <laughs> uh, it's almost 30 years learning which is beautiful but I, it's also i mean th there is no other option this is evolving all, all the time. Uh, so one thing is to be aware and the other thing is to be scared. I don't think you should be scared, I, but, but I think you should be aware that uh, it's changing. The, the scenario is changing, will change. Uh, I don't think the human replacement is the way to go uh, but it's also true that some companies will use it for that purpose so uh, I think Aptention for instance as a company that is providing software as a service for companies uh, we can do something we can decide which is the business we want to do 
but then you know we live in 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 the real world so uh of course unfortunately it, it will be used to replace uh jobs um but for instance one of the thing i understood is developers are safe for for a while <laughs> because it's not now it's not happening now um and yes i don't see any issue in in having the summary of a meeting uh I, but the issue is if you think this means um you can forget about the meeting because otherwise you know the problem is why we have the meeting yeah if if yeah. the meeting becomes uh, um a formality that is essentially taking time from from your day this problem is not generative ai this problem comes before but if the meeting is something you need in the project uh to stay to, to keep up uh, the pace of the project to know what's happening to take actions then generative ai is not doing that it's just you know giving you some tool to speed up the mechanical part of uh of something but but it's not replacing it um so it's <clears throat> again the, the focus is there because the attention is there now but i think we should also ask ourselves uh why uh there are jobs that are replaceable yes exactly to go to the to the root cause of of those um questions yes um so that's uh, extremely interesting what you're saying and i got um very interested about your journey so maybe you can uh, elaborate also on that so how it happened that you started uh, already 30 years ago and and what was the the journey you've um you've come i i didn't know the journey when it started uh i i think i i just i invented the term uh like a few weeks ago uh because i started my own ltd a few weeks ago uh and i think innovation in my experience was a journey actually it's a journey of joy uh because again the, the the engine to me is this um the the learning the privilege to i i shouldn't say this in a podcast but um in our domain we have good salaries uh but but it's not what is <laughs> so it's the, the the point is uh my feeling is i was i always felt very lucky because i was able to investigate and in many senses it's more similar to play and be paid for it so it's like that was like okay if i have to do a job uh this one can be my job because essentially uh, i i didn't feel it like you know an obligation or something that i was doing just to uh pay the bills 
is in many senses is big part of, of what I am. So uh, uh, that that's and then they just kept walking. I I didn't know. I have hunches of where I wanna go, and and it's not always where uh, the market goes. But it happened to me uh, with Flash, and then in uh, with with mobile development, uh, and, and now generative AI, but VR mixed reality, and and now AI. Uh, I, I just go where I, <laughs> I want to, and some somehow <laughs> magically uh, I'm able to work on those topics. So, like real work, uh, that is still <laughs> surprising me. But you know, I, I'm not saying anything. I don't want to change it uh, uh, <laughs> as long as <laughs> it's lasting. I, I will, I will keep it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a journey of learning. That's that's I think one of the pleasures of life, and and, and it's a privilege to to have a job that is letting you keep on learning. It's it's, it's keep you keeping you with this curiosity. Yeah. Uh, it's an attitude, but but it's also you know uh, we have the opportunity, so it's. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can uh, sign uh, my name under under what you <laughs> said right now. So, um, so cir circling back to um, to the project uh, you are currently in. Uh, so, if you could uh, tell us a bit more about um, technicalities. So, how does the chatbot uh, feature integrate with transcribed data, and how does it help in extracting um, those meaningful meaningful insights? So, the, the there is what there are one two two steps. One is the retrieval. Uh, uh we talked about this so the retrieval is happening in in this vector store uh where we store information as vectors and then we use the query to retrieve what should be uh the most relevant documents for that query that's one one aspect of it and the other aspect of it is the pure prompt engineering so you just instruct um an LLM that has sufficient uh, global knowledge to understand to understand this is a big word but um, uh, that you want a summary for instance of a given text and is able out of the box to summarize if you instruct it to do so so there is one aspect is you uh, engineer and pass the context and then you instruct to do a task uh you can instruct also on how to do it one one technique we are using now is this chain of thoughts so it's like you can see why this happening actually because it's traced and it's fascinating uh, so you break down Sometimes a question is not a simple question. Uh, you have to bring it down because it's a step you need to do. 
Um, so the the reasoning, another very dangerous term, but um, of of the agent is you can see that is happening. It, they are uh, able, if instructed to do so, uh, to break down a problem into steps and then going step by step and 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 solving it so these are the two main aspects how you contextualize um, the question and how you instruct them which is prompt engineering essentially and to do a task so it's to one nothing to do with LLMs is re pure retrieval. The other one is uh, is LLMs is is this new thing we sort of new thing we we have. So um, so what now? So what are the short term goals for you for this project, and what are the long term ones? The short term is to finish the Slack bot we are preparing, uh, the one that is accessing the Confluence knowledge. And the long term is to start somehow uh, a dialogue with production. Um, so use whatever is the next prototype uh to start building um because now we have the maturity at least to start it uh, a small framework and provide tools to us uh, and to to production which means we need to stay in touch talk to each other um communicate and try to understand Probably we need to somehow feed each other. Um, we may have, as, as a company, the need to investigate uh, some other aspects of generative AI. Uh, so we may want to find business that is paying for what we want to investigate. Most likely we have business uh, that is uh, requesting generative AI features and so R&D can anticipate and investigate those. I think one is feeding the other and it's, it's, a, it's just a matter to... And, and it's a midterm thing. I don't see something happening it could, but next month or next week. Uh, this is something we, we need to keep on investigating. On, on a personal <laughs> side, I would love to investigate not just next generation as we are doing, uh, but all the diffuser, uh, vision, all that part that is uh, happening. It's really interesting. Uh, audio. Uh, video, um, storytelling, all that part. But if there is the opportunity, great. Otherwise, it would be like a personal interest. Uh, in, in terms of, of my job here, uh, I, I think 
the short term is to deliver the, the Slack put, start using it, and then uh, understand how we can actually uh, improve the performance. That's the bit we, I think we are, we need to investigate uh, more. So we are able now to architecture something, monitoring it, and then provide a solution and, and understand how this solution is performing. Now, how we can improve it and uh, which are the bits we need to reprocess in order to make it better, that's something that is a big step for, for going to production because it's essentially how we maintain it. Uh, and then and that's something we are missing at the moment and it would be interesting to cover uh, in the next in the next prototype for me long term is building blocks that we can reuse and production can reuse nice so as i understood um after finishing the phase of creating the slack bot there will be the time for user tests based uh, on which you will create a pipeline for um useful features for example right yeah on one side uh improve with features uh but on the other side also uh feedback uh into what we have i lost you for a while yeah yeah sorry for that i think i lost you no, no, no. Oh, everything is back now <laughs> yeah 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 so i we, was just saying is yes yeah if you yeah, if you yeah, could yeah, start yeah. from the scratch, sorry. No, 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 no problem. Uh, so on one side, yes, uh, add new features. Um, um, and I think from what I saw, for instance, it would be interesting to have like a tool that is um, focused on retrieving information about people. Uh, I, I think in my tests, um i had several queries that were about um a person that is covering a specific role in the company who is the responsible if i need to share a password send an invoice so i think this is something that would be interesting to do but the most important bit is how we collect feedback because we want users to grade the answers they are getting. Uh, and of course, we can collect what uh, uh, what is the, the feedback about that, but how then we use this to improve the product? L let's say that we understand that there are some queries that got bad answers and some others that we know they are covered because they consistently get good answers. Uh, and we have this data set. We need somehow to use it to fine tune or improve 
reprocess partially. So we have a, like a pipeline that goes from the documents we have on Confluence to uh, the memory for the product to use. What if the Confluence documents change? What if they updated? If there are new documents, if there are old documents that are deleted? Uh, so the, the base document can change and uh, the use of the tools tells us that we are good in retrieving some uh, information and not so good or bad in retrieving other information. They are equally important what we do. Somehow we need to find a way to improve and maintain the product trying to impact as less as we can on, on, on the entire pipeline. We want to redo the minimum number of steps and just uh, maintain it or improve it. And, and as I was saying, this is like interesting for, for the next prototype because it's a big step, uh, especially if you think in production perspective. Yes, definitely. And in terms of uh, first prototype, um, if you could explain how it manages to uh, choose the most meaningful information from uh, from the meeting. Yes. So um, the our our product was retrieving information not from one meeting only, but from the list of meeting we had which is actually uh, one limit that we overcame uh, on, a, on the following prototype. Um, the way we retrieve meaningful information, about the retrieval of meaningful information, um, we store um, uh, the documents or chunks of these documents inside a, a vector database, which is essentially converting text into vector, simplifying uh, a bit. And then when a query happens, is converting this query into a vector and retrieving the closest, uh, by distance, the closest uh, chunks that we stored. Uh, that That's how we, we retrieve. Um, you have also the ability to associate, like to bind uh, metadata to each chunk. And this is something that is has been used with different techniques. Normally, you store small chunks because it seems to be more efficient. But then when you retrieve, you retrieve also neighbors of the chunk, sentences that are close. Uh, and 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 you provide like a window of sentences and around the chunk you actually retrieve. This is the technique we we used. There are others um, that works better depending on the type of document you have. Uh, but that's how we retrieve meaningful content. So nothing to do with pure LLM. Once we have this context. The amount of it is also an interesting topic. There is like something like the right amount. Uh, 
we pass this context together with the question and instructions to the LLM and the LLM is providing an answer um, using the general knowledge uh, abilities and the context we are passing. Um, so yeah, the, the, the retrieval part is um, a step that is happening uh, in, in a layer of the architecture where L, pure LLM uh, is, is, not, is not used. So uh, maybe this is a very basic questions, but a question. But let me ask: uh, So how it chooses this right amount of of text? By uh, the amount is a problem because it's, <laughs> so it seems that, for instance, uh, first you are limited by the number of tokens in this context uh, window. Context token is a unity of measure that is you, you can consider it like more. Uh, a word can contain around three tokens, more or less. Um, so, um, when you have this limit, uh, this is constraining um, what you feed and what you get as an answer. The entirety of it has to be the window of the model you are using. It could be 16, 32K, it depends. Um, this is one thing the like the physical limit you have on the other side it seems that when you have bigger windows that you can use like in cloud 2 which is a, a, a different model not from open ai and um, when you pass too much context the context that is actually in the middle gets lost and this is stuff like we are learning uh, now while we are using uh, so normally something around three, four uh, paragraphs, even large paragraphs, they are uh, like uh, right amount of context. Then on top of this, you have the instructions uh, and you have the real question. So it's it's a balance that doesn't always work, uh, but works most of the time. <laughs> gotcha, thanks. So um, as a leader of, uh, of the project using uh, AI, what advice would you offer to young professionals aiming to make a mark in this field? I think to study. Uh, there are a lot of, yeah, there, there is like a lot of misinformation uh and promises like you can build this with no lines of code uh you can use this tool it's good to use tools but it's good to have like a low level understanding of what's happening so the the when i approached this domain the, the first time was 2015 2016 it was pure machine learning, deep learning at the moment. Uh, and you had to learn techniques that were for data scientists. Uh, there was a learning curve. Now you can enter this domain uh, easily. 
but but to develop something that is not just prototype something that can go to production is not easy at all uh, so again it's probably to, to study and and decide what to study and and when uh, but yes um, it, it's and not something I, I saw different like uh, experiments, games made in three hours by an AI, and I would say you can start using uh, AI also as a coding assistant, for instance. There is nothing bad about it. Once you know what you want to write, if it's not you writing it, it's not a big deal. <laughs> so if you have to write 50 lines and an AI is just writing those for you in one second, I don't see any problem with that. As long as you know what you're doing uh, and you don't trust uh, them, it's, it's fine. It's just an evolution of what we have been doing the last 10 years on Stack Overflow and Google, we looked for solutions uh, that someone else that went through the same problem found. So this is just an evolution. So one step could be accepting it as part of your tool set as a developer. And on the other side is the curiosity to understanding it at uh, at a low level and and trying to understand it for to own it so that then you can even use a tool but you know what's happening you know how to maintain it is like most of the concepts are general and not just for generative ai uh, anytime you call something if you introduce a dependency it has to be like a, a meaning because otherwise it's better not to introduce it. Uh, and if you're learning something, you won't understand it. Because otherwise, that's the meaning of learning, essentially. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a nice moment to start learning. There is something to keep up with, but not so much. It's still enough fresh, uh, at least this phase of generative AI. Um, on the other side, it's not easy because there is a lot, a lot of misinformation and uh, time wasters <laughs> uh, publishing uh, nonsense. So yeah, uh, that's something you need to also deal with. They won't go away. Uh, these evangelists about new technologies uh, by people that don't really understand uh, understand it. it. It was it has been there for a while. It, it happened with VR mixed reality uh, in the uh, past few years. It's happening now with AI. It's part of the feed of information you have. Uh, 
but in general it's easier to enter the domain now you you have a learning curve that is much more uh, smoother now uh, so you can start simple there is a lot of documentation that is very well done tools that you can use um, that simple simply didn't exist uh, until a few years ago so it's a good moment to to start uh, definitely and it's uh, worth to do it to not stay behind so i mean that's, that's <laughs> yeah that's one of the claiming of the you know like if you're not doing these 10 things then you're falling behind exactly. yeah that's uh, yeah 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 uh, i mean it's completely up to the curiosity of of each one uh but yes, if, if you are interested, uh, it, it's a good moment to start learning. And my last question is, so uh, in a few words, if you could tell us what does innovation mean to you? I, <laughs> uh, I think it's... Um, Not sure, I think. It happened again, right? <laughs> oh, no. I think we have again. Yeah, don't worry. C can you hear me now? Connect. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, okay. So, no, what, what innovation uh, means is essentially um, a journey full full of joy. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's it's it comes with with a lot of frustration. Um, it's like you never start with a solid base. At least sometimes it's like how I feel is always working on something that is almost there. You don't have much literature. You don't know how to do it. Uh, but somehow you can shape it and the findings these moments the eureka moment the epiphanies they are totally worth the the journey to me so that's that's the i think that's the most uh important bit is that click that moment when you realize you understood something uh, and then you move to the next thing but that moment it, it, it's it's uh, steward beautifully said thank you so much uh, mariano for the interview thank you thank you so much for having me